What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. And today, we got Carol fucking Baskins. Man, this one is so fun. We talk about everything Tiger King. I've been on a Tiger King kick lately, and she's the creme de la creme, aside from Joe Exotic, but I don't think I'll get in touch with him anytime soon because he's in prison. So, anyways, we talk about how she kind of got duped in the whole Netflix documentary when she thought it was one thing, but it was another we talk about Joe Exotic and her feud with him. We talk about everything she's done and is doing for, for big cats and just kind of get to the root of why the hell nothing major has been done for these helpless animals that get caught with these people who import them and export them illegally and then have them as pets and then make millions of dollars off them, which is totally screwed up. But we cover all that kind of stuff. And we may or may not talk about her uh, good old hubby, Don Lewis. The one that went missing back in the 90s. So stay tuned. Find out if we talk about it. Don't forget to like this video. Hit that subscribe button. And hit that bell notification so you get notified every single time my face comes on this contraption. Whenever you're watching me or listening to me, subscribe, share, comment, all that shit. So the algorithm just boosts it up and we can get a lot of views and get these subs up. But anyway, enjoy this episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast with my homegirl, CB, a.k.a. Carol Baskin, a.k.a. All you cool cats and kittens. Anyway, enjoy this episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast with Carol Baskin. I'll see you next week. Peace out. This episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment. Bravo Concealment is known for some of the best high-quality and concealable holsters on the market. Located in the great state of Texas, they offer free shipping and unlimited lifetime warranty on all of their products. And a 30-day money-back guarantee if you don't like the product. I've been using Bravo Concealment for my gun holsters ever since I got into guns, and the quality is by far, bar none, the top notch in the entire industry that I've seen. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code Explicit10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey and today we have Carol fucking Baskin. How you doing? I appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time out of your busy, crazy schedule to talk to little old me. So how are you doing? I don't even need to, you to have an intro, really. Everyone knows if you haven't seen Tiger King, go watch it. This is Carol Baskin. and Enjoy the interview. But how are you doing? I am doing great. And I apologize for all of the noise in the background. It's my daughter's cat who is doing circles around me, wanting me to feed him. What kind of cat? Uh, old and cranky and stray. Oh, my God. Okay. So not like a big cat. Got it. Oh, um, gosh, No. Do you have any? Big do you cats? not know who I am? No. Well, I do, but it's like, do you not have any cats like around the house like that? No. 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 I, I'm absolutely against the idea of people keeping these animals as pets. They don't belong in cages. I love that. Okay, great. Okay, that's one of the bigger pieces that I want to talk about because, um, hold on, let me just. I'm getting too excited here. All right, I'm talking to Carol Baskin. All right, so first of all. Can you just explain how you got caught up in, not even caught up in, how you were approached? How did that whole Netflix thing happen? You know, because uh, let's take a two year step back to 2020. Everything was shutting down. 
And this documentary couldn't have come. I know you've heard this a thousand times. It couldn't have come out at a more perfect time um, because no one could go anywhere. So everyone could just sit around and watch, you know, the the chaos of of Tiger King. But how how did you get into this is, you know, from the beginning? So I've been rescuing exotic cats since I was 17 years old, which was a really long time ago. Um, Gosh, like 53 years ago. Um, and then in 1992, we rescued our first captive born bobcat who was going to be killed by a taxidermist. And then that led us to rescuing 56 cats from a fur farm and the next year, 28, and then next year, 22. And the people started saying, would you take my lion? Would you take my tiger? And so it was through all of those rescues that I ended up in this big cat world. It wasn't anything that I ever aspired to do. And as soon as I saw that there was no way we could rescue our way out of it, we became advocates for ending the private possession of these cats because there were hundreds of them being bred for life in prison and for crimes they didn't commit. And so when you speak out against people who are making money doing that, then of course they will come after you. And so we had so many different film crews over the years covering the work that we did. We had, I can't even tell you how many people said, I should pitch you for Animal Planet. And they'd pitch me to Animal Planet or other shows. And they would say, oh, she's just too controversial. Because back then, people thought it was fine to take their kids to the circus. People thought it was fine for uh, their family to go and have their pictures made with these cute little cubs. Because the media promoted that as something fun to do and wasn't showing the abuse that goes on behind the scenes. So we had so many different film crews that came to us over the years. We always worked with them for free because we wanted to get the message out there that these cats didn't belong in cages. And during this five-year period that we were working with the producers from Tiger King, we were also working with Mike Weber, who came out with a film called The Conservation Game, which is an excellent film. We were working with another filmmaker named Michael Samstag, And his film was called Hidden Tiger. And these were films that were what they were purported to be. The producers from Tiger King said that they were going to do the blackfish for big cats and that they were going to show how all of this abuse was causing the extinction of the tiger in the wild. And that's that's exactly what I wanted to get out there. And so we worked with them for five years. And at the end of it, when we were sitting around like everybody else and saw the teasers coming up for this thing called Tiger King, we we contacted everybody that we've been working with and said, who's working on that show? Because right. <laughs> nobody was working on that kind of a show about Joe Exotic. Right. And it turned out to be these producers that we had been working with that said they were doing this Blackfish. And so we were just dumbstruck by what we saw. That was nothing like what it had been Uh, proposed to us to be. And at the end of it, my husband and I just said, well, that was a missed opportunity and didn't realize that people would believe a bunch of animal abusers and believe the clever editing and um, not bother to do any research to find out that so many of the things they said about me were obviously not true and easily disproven, but people just don't research. And I heard a a really great Mark, Mark Twain quote, that said, it's a lot easier to fool a person than to convince them that they've been fooled. And that is so true. People just don't want to hear that they were fooled by that show. Yeah, no, that's so funny you say that because I I was just like with everybody else watching it. And I'm like, first of all, I was like, what the hell is this? Like who, 
I didn't even think people like this existed. Not you, like just like exotic and low and like just all these people. And then it was like every episode was like, there's they're making this shit up. This is this is not real. This is this can't be real. And then he runs for whatever the governor, president, whatever it was. I, I just couldn't believe it. But then like the thing that always gets me with these documentaries is they which I thought Tiger King was going to do, like you're saying, like Blackfish was a f- amazing documentary. And it's so glad you saw it because nobody has seen it. Apparently Blackfish? I say this all the time oh and people are like, what? what? <laughs> Telecom? No, that documentary, that, that literally like ended so much SeaWorld. It caused so many good problems for, you know, conservation and everything like that. I, I was blown away by that documentary. That's what, and to your point, like when I watch this, I'm like, damn like this is entertaining but are we ever going to talk about these fucking tires that are behind like in the kit like and then literally every season even the new ones that has been coming out it's like like the last like five minutes maybe they talk about oh this is what we did for the tiger and we put them in this open space and that's it like yeah. I, I don't understand like if you're trying to help the tigers and all that stuff because i honestly like I know who you are and stuff like that, but I really kind of know who you are, unfortunately, from Tiger King. Like, I, you know, I've seen you on like Dancing with the Stars and stuff like that, but like, that's not really. That's not me either. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not you. So, that's what I'm saying is like, I, I know you as like all of these negative things and these bad things that people say about you on Tiger King. And to it, it, it was entertaining, not that the stuff they said to you, but like the show itself is entertaining, but it did absolutely nothing for Tigers. I think I could be wrong. But I think you're right. I mean, so many people want to justify having been entertained by it that they'll say, well, didn't it really bring this message out to people that wouldn't have had it otherwise? And it's like, yeah, but it wasn't Tiger King that did that. I did that because of all of the people, all of the press who wanted to just be so hateful to me and invite me to just bash me on every single show you can imagine. And I used every single opportunity, including Dancing with the Stars, to talk about the issues and how we're going to lose the tiger in the next five years if we don't stop this cub petting right now. And that's what I think has generated any discussion about tigers and protecting tigers. It wasn't that Tiger King generated any discussion about protecting tigers. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know anybody even existed in that world, except for like, I knew people collected animals like as like, like you know collected them it was like pets or whatever i didn't know that it was like a full-fledged business like it is in tiger king i thought it was like okay you can go to the zoo and you can do this and that but this isn't really like a thing and then i was just like what the fuck is this like what is a joe exotic like all these like also like super sketchy people you know and everybody has you know i don't know they have their own story and stuff like that but a lot of these people like you said are like doing all this stuff to, to get a dollar right regardless of the the welfare of the the tiger and when you're watching a show and you're seeing tigers eating walmart old meat and like all this stuff it's like how can you logically think like okay a tiger should have th- thousands of acres of land to do whatever they want prey on anything that is be- you know below them why are they eating old walmart meat like i just was fucking i couldn't believe it i was like what is this shit but how are you like the stuff that was in the documentary like not even like your husband stuff but just like stuff about you and like what you're doing because everybody kept saying like well carol's doing the same thing she's making you know millions of dollars you know pet uh cup heading and all that stuff like 
A, is that true? And B, can you kind of like tell me, I've always wanted to ask you this. What's the difference between you and not even Joe Exotic, any of these people that have their own kind of, you know, whatever they want to call park? Well, first, we never bred lions or tigers. The only cats we ever bred were some of the smaller, more rare species. And that was before 1997 or 98 when the internet came along. Mm -hmm. And it was because the people that we reached out to when we did the rescue of all of those cats from the fur farm were the breeders and dealers. Because when I called the zoo, they hung up on me. And I didn't know. I was one of those pet people, you know, and that's why the zoo didn't want anything to do with me. And so the private owners were saying, oh, yeah, you should breed these animals. They're very rare. They don't do well in in zoos like the ocelots and caracals and cats like that that most people have never even seen. And so that's the cats that we bred. And as soon as I learned different, as soon as the Internet came along and I started going to the conferences, the zoo conferences and finding out that none of these cats in private ownership were going to be released to the wild Mm -hmm. and i see no reason in breeding cats for life in cages so we stopped breeding in 97 we had a couple of accidental litters like um we had a litter of well a single leopard cat which is a like an eight pound cat and the parents were like 17 and 18 years old so i thought they were well past breeding age and that happened in like 1998 or 99 So we had a couple of little accidents like that, just with cats that either I thought were spayed or neutered, or I thought they were too old as I was trying to separate as many cats as I could, because back then we had 200 cats. But um, I know, (laughs) well, there's fur farm rescues. There was 56 and then 28 and then 22. That's all the cats right up front. Fur farm, you mean like to make clothing and stuff? Yeah, we bought every cat they had with the agreement. They never kill cats again for their fur. But to get to your main question, what's the difference between a sanctuary and a zoo? Mm -hmm. And the difference is mostly philosophical. In zoos, they're in the business of breeding and buying and selling to have animals in cages so that people pay to come see them. And in a handful of cases, you have people that will let you touch them like Joe Exotic did or Doc Antle or Mario Tabro. The big zoos don't let you pet the tigers. And (laughs) so there's only like five of those organizations out there that are still allowing the cub petting. But sanctuaries, on the other hand, do not buy or breed or sell, and they certainly don't allow any public contact. So the only reason sanctuaries exist is to try and clean up the mess that's being made by the zoos. And if we could just stop the breeding and the buying and the selling and the zoos, then sanctuaries like mine could close our doors, which is what we all want to happen. We don't want to be in business rescuing animals from horrible situations. We want to end the horrible situations. And so to that end, we thought, I thought initially that I could rescue my way out of this and then learned very quickly they can breed faster, way faster than we can rescue animals. So the only thing to do would be to change the laws. And I'm sorry for all this pinging. No, you're fine. You're good. Everybody's losing their mind all of a sudden, but it's not a cat emergency. So (laughs) we're good. Um, And now I've Yeah, the difference (laughs) between, no, you're good. The difference between uh, a rescue, not a rescue, a, a sanctuary and a zoo. So I I learned pretty quickly by 1998 that the only way we were going to fix this problem was to change the laws so that people couldn't get their hands on these animals in the first place. And that's what we've been doing since 98 is trying to ban the cub petting and phase out the private ownership. And I think we're going to do it this year. 
Um, no thanks to Tiger King, but I think we will finally get it done this year. We passed in the House with a two-thirds majority vote, but it was December, and the whole session starts over the following yeah. year, so we had to start all over again. Damn, really? Uh, yeah, that was just crazy. So we had to start all over in January. It's a two-year session, but we already have 250 co-sponsors in the House, which is well over a majority. It's more than we had at the time that we went to a, a hearing wow. the last time. And so we're working really hard on the Senate right now. And I, I think we can get this done this year. And it, it won't be a moment too soon because all of these cubs that are bred and then discarded into pet homes usually within a year or two, those people are getting rid of their animals and they'll either send them to a sanctuary or they'll send them to some other God awful situation where they may end up with their being killed for their parts, for their teeth and their claws and their penises and their skins. And that is stimulating the demand for these illegal products. There was a study that just came out last week that said of the 67% of tiger shipments coming into the U.S. where people are smuggling in, because it's illegal to trade in tiger right. parts, but where they're smuggling in these tiger parts and on 67% of them where they were able to do DNA testing, 99% of that 67 that they could even test came from the wild. And it's because we have this huge legal smokescreen of private ownership where if you get caught wearing a tiger tooth, you just say it was my pet tiger and nobody can do anything to you. But it should be because it's an endangered species. And if it came from the wild, that would be five years in jail and a 25, $20 or $25,000 fine. So we can't stop the poaching until we stop this private ownership. And that's why we've been so laser focused on right. doing this and why these guys hate me because they make a lot of money off these tigers and their tiger parts. Right. So, okay. So instead of going after, like you say, obviously we don't poach tigers in America because we don't have tigers in America. So um, what you're saying is you can't really do anything about the poaching in, in Asia or in other countries or, um, you know, that because you, you can't control that stuff. But what you're trying to do is get it blocked here so they can't import them into the country and then sell it for parts because they're all coming from the wild, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, that, I was shocked that they were able to That's identify 99 percent of that 67 percent were coming from the wild. And so, you know, the, the Chinese have been saying for years that if they farm tigers, like we farm cattle here, that it would alleviate the pressure on the wild cats. And that's not true. What? But <laughs> what they're saying is, and they have farms full of these tigers where they've been breeding them, but it's not legal for them to sell the parts. And so what the, these Asian countries are banking on is the extinction of the tiger. As soon as they can make sure that the tiger in the wild is extinct, then there won't be an Endangered Species Act protecting the, the business that they want to run, which is to farm and kill these tigers for their parts. Okay, time out, hold on. Okay, so that's, my God. This is so it's so up. messed up. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna make me curse and I don't curse. That is crazy. So, so if they were extinct, then they could basically do like the cattle farm type scenario with no red tape. Is it, is it true that there's more um, uh, tigers in captivity than there is in the wild? Oh, yeah. There's only about 3,900 tigers left in the wild. And 
on these tiger farms in China, I know that at least on five of the farms there, there's over 7,000 tigers. I think I got a recent report from Thailand that there's something like 9,000 tigers in similar farms. Here in the US, we don't even know how many tigers there are. And that's another reason why it's so important for us to clamp down on this because I sent my daughter to CITES, which is the Conference and Endangered Species Conference and Trade and Endangered Species. I forget how. Anyway, it's an acronym. Acronym. Where yeah. All of the <laughs> countries come together and they decide how they're going to protect endangered species. And so when she went to that, we did a, a side event where we gave out bottles of wine and we had a label on it called Tiger Bone Wine. But then it talked about how Tiger Bone Wine is actually made, which is by steeping the bones of the tiger in these vats of rice wine. And, so, and that's the primary product that they want these tigers for at these farms. And it's not because it tastes good, but it's, you know, this whole anyway. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm drinking tiger, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So at this event, when we were saying, you know, we want China to rein in these tiger farms that they have and to stop the breeding on this until the whole world can come to a, a decision on how to handle it. They looked at us and they said, at least we know where our tigers are. You in the U.S., you don't even know where your tigers are. And wow. they're right. We don't know because there's just this patchwork of laws and nobody really keeping score. Why is there so many laws on not on not protecting tigers and allowing people to have these insanely exotic pets because when i watched the new season the second uh season and it was that psychopath guy i forget his name him and jeffalo were tight they were building a new new area i forget his name um they raided his house on the new season like real skinny guy tim, had, tim yeah like like you could just tell, like, he's like, this is my property. It's like, okay, well, like how, how, how did you get this property? Isn't it illegal to get your hands on animals like that from the get-go anyways? No, it's not. Illegal. That, well, that's why we're working on this federal bill because it's not illegal. They can, they can buy them, they can breed them, they can sell them. The only part of the law that protects the tigers in the U.S. was a part that we got passed in 2003. When I say we, I mean me and a bunch of other huge animal organizations. It was called the Captive Wildlife Safety Act. Mm -hmm. And what that did was we worked on it from 1998 till 2003 when it finally passed. And it made it illegal to sell a big cat across state lines as a pet. But as a result of passing that for the first time ever, the number of big cats that we had to turn away due to being just over flooded by all of these tigers, it dropped to less than half of what had been, almost a third of what it had been before. And so that was when we realized, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to change these laws so that people can't breed and buy and sell at all in the private sector. So that's what our current bill will do is clamp down on that. So all they were doing is basically getting like a male and a female tiger and then they were good because they could just breed as many as they wanted to. Yeah. And how many, how many do they have? How many can a tiger have like a cub? And like a litter. litter. A litter is usually about four, but it's like a domestic cat. It can be one. It can be eight for the average being four. Wow. How, how often? Every 68 days. And that's Damn. the way to do it. They leave them. They leave the males and females together. And you saw this in tiger King. And I think it was the only thing in tiger King that was worth watching was the mother had the baby and while she's having the baby, these guys are on the outside of the cage with that pipe and they pull the baby over to the side and squeeze it through the wire. And 
they just leave the mother in with the male so that she immediately comes back into heat and gets bred again. And so every 68 days, they're pulling cubs out until they just completely wreck the mothers doing that. That's, and does, does the mother like die like soon or do they have just like a terrible quality of life after that? It's both the quality of life because if we have the phrase tiger mom for a reason, there's nothing more protective and more fierce about keeping her cubs than a tiger. And here we're ripping those cubs away from her. And I don't, did you see Carol Baskin's cage fight? No. What's that? It's a a show that is the actual truth about my life. Um, It's streaming on discovery plus, but most people don't have discovery plus, so they haven't seen it. I haven't. Yeah. I'll check it out. What's it called? Carol Baskin's cage fight. And in it, we go to the GW Zoo, and I just have a complete meltdown thinking about, um, as I was talking to the producers, about how these cubs were constantly being bred in these little miserable cages, ripped from their moms, taken into Joe's house, screaming for their moms. Their moms are right outside. They can hear those babies screaming. And this is going on day in and day out of these mothers calling for their babies and these babies screaming for their moms. And I think you may have even seen in some episodes of Tiger King show just kind of being like, they won't shut up. And it's like, because they want their mothers, their mothers want them. So in addition to it being an emotional torture for both the mother and the cub, if you breed any animal like that every 68 days, you're going to end up killing it, which they typically do. Right. And then I saw on the episode that, that I think it was like episode, not episode, but season two, they talked about like the decline of the, of the cat. What is that? So it became illegal to declaw big cats in 19, no, 2006, I think. And so USDA said, you can't declaw these big cats. Cause that's what all of these cub petters were doing was declawing. Mm-hmm. And so since they can't do it legally with their vets, they just take pruning shears and cut off the ends of their paws. They cut this whole knuckle off right here on the babies when they're soft and pliable enough to do that. And so that's why their little feet are like bleeding all over the place if you look closely in some of those scenes. What the fuck? They do that just because they don't want to get clawed, I guess? Yeah, their claws are like razors. That is, man, like like i've seen some of it in the documentaries and stuff like that but they don't obviously highlight it because it makes them look bad right yeah damn you know that's that makes me so sad because i mentioned these other filmmakers that really did great projects and yet nobody's heard of those projects because they told the truth and they showed this horrible industry and people don't want to see that they want to be entertained instead right as you say that and it's that's so true because which is weird because Blackfish did exactly that where it was, and that was a Netflix documentary. And I mean, one Emmys, it, it like killed. And I felt like if Tiger King, I don't know if it did win any Emmys, but it, if it did, it <laughs> no. didn't. Oh, okay. It got nominated and it didn't, it didn't win a single award. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's because it's like, they're not doing the right thing. You know, like, like, like I said, Blackfish was like, an eye opener into a world that like everyone, like you said, like when no one wants to know about that stuff and the little pools that whales are in. And I mean, these are giant killer whales in little kitty pools for the majority of their life. And it's just like, it's so crazy. And then, you know, 
do you um i don't know if like zoos also kind of sketched me out a little bit because like i'm from i'm from dc so like we like we have the smithsonian right which is a free zoo um, and they have like amazing exhibits and stuff like that but every time i go there i feel so bad i'm like oh i'm in all for like a second and i'm like oh wow and i'm like wait these fucking poor animals are like behind a glass thing i mean this, the size of their enclosures are not that big and then you can kind of see sometimes they walk back and forth they just have these like weird things that they don't i assume they don't do in the wild right 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 so do they do like at your sanctuary you know i know like in, in joe exotics you see nothing but like you, you see cages you see, it looks very very small like do you have like open as, as much land as you possibly can i mean obviously tigers in the wild have you know endless amounts of 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 land that they can cover so as i saw at the end of season two they kind of showed, like I said, like that last five minutes of like what they do for the cats on Tiger King season two. They showed like this really cool sanctuary out in like the Midwest that was like hundreds of acres for just like one cat. Is that kind of like what your goal is or what you would love? Well, the place that you're talking about is uh, Wild Animal Sanctuary because they yes. rescued most of Joe's cats and their, their cages are 10 acres each with several cats in each cage. But still, that's way bigger than most sanctuaries and way bigger than mine. My right. biggest cage is two and a half acres. And my smallest cage now, my smallest cage ever for a tiger was 1800 square feet. Joe's cages were about 200 square feet. But um, even the, the 1800 square feet that we have for our cats, we have what we call a vacation rotation area. So every, it used to be every two weeks now because we have fewer cats, it's once a month they get rotated through that two and a half acres. So we have one cat that's on two acres, one cat that's on about three quarters of an acre, two cats that are on half an acre each. And then those 1800, 1800 square foot cages now are combined. So there's like four to six of them that are combined for each cat. As our cats have died off and mostly our cats were the smaller cats, bobcats and such, but we've joined the cages together. So we had 200 cages at our pet at our max. I have a bunch of holsters from Bravo and one of them is the inside the waistband holster. So this goes inside the waistband if you want to conceal carry. Also, swap it out here, outside the waistband. So this outside the waistband is actually like hella thin and you can see kind of like how, how close to the body it can get. You could take this on the range. Um, you, you can probably conceal this and comfortably do it with you know a hoodie over top or whatever if you want to open carry um it's up to you they also send out mag pouches right so you can throw in an extra mag you're going to the range you don't have to unload and reload every single time you got a little uh little hollow point moment they come in handy if you're on the range like i said or if you can still carry and you're one of those people that are gotta have a lot of mags or whatever um you know whatever whatever your cup of tea is they also send you these really cool pamphlets. They go into great details in these brochures of how to wear things properly, safety mechanisms, and all the features that all of these holsters have as well. So they really focus on educating their customers, which when it comes to guns, safety and education are number one. They don't have any left-handed holsters except for the Glock 19. I'm a lefty, but the right-handed holsters are so dope and they're so comfortable and concealable that I don't really give a shit. Just learn how to shoot with my right hand. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase, 
on their website by using explicit 10. Use the code explicit 10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. And we have like 50 cats right now. So those cats all have more space because of the fact that we've joined these cages together and we had to make the doorways bigger and stuff for the bigger cats. Um, Gave them a little bit more space, but still it's nowhere near what they they should have. And there's no way to give them what they should have because they roam hundreds of square miles, as you pointed out. Right now. And you can't like, if a, if a tiger is in captivity, you can't just put it back in the wild. It's going to die. Right. It's illegal too. Really? Yeah. And that's one of the things I was so surprised. I think the biggest, um, the biggest amount of hatred that I got after Tiger King was people that were angry that I had big cats in cages. And they said, you should turn them back loose in the wild. And I, I just am shocked that people don't know that there's no program under which any big cat has ever been born in a cage and released to the wild and never would be because all of the stuff that you would do in captivity would make that animal unsuitable in the wild because of being exposed to people. Once they know that, you know, that we're not so scary, then they'll come in and eat our children from the bus stops and they'll eat our cattle. (laughs) They, they, They just do not hide from us. Um, if they've spent any time at all with us, whereas in the wild, big cats won't come anywhere near you unless they're injured and can't do their regular hunting and such. So it's not legal to release any exotic cat who is born in a cage to the wild. The only cats that I can legally release are the ones who are actually born in the wild. And I've been doing bobcat rehab and release since I was 17. And we have, I think, six cats right now that are in rehab and that will go back to the wild because that's where they Hmm. came from. That's where they belong, but they were injured. They got hit by cars or orphaned, those kinds of things are why they come to me in the first place. But none of these cats in captivity, one, serve any conservation value because they're all inbred and crossbred and would pollute a gene pool if you Mm. were to try and put them in the wild, if it were even legal. And then if you think about that, it's like there's all these thousands upon thousands of tigers in the United States who were born in the United States. We can't take them to India or Russia and turn them loose because they're not, they weren't born in India or Russia. Right, they're, right. they're American tigers and there is no place in America to release tigers. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> All these people are like, you should set them free. And it was like, I'll be over to your house at five. <laughs> yeah. Where? Yeah. Like New, New York. Like what the, where are you going to put these cats? That makes no sense. Well, how, okay. So like, has there ever been a case where like the cat was a, t- a tiger, not a, not a bobcat, a tiger was in the wild, then was in captivity and then released back into the wild? Yes. And it was a case, I forget what this cat's name was. It was like T214 or something is yeah. what they called her. And it was a mother and two cubs and she ended up being injured. And so they brought the mother and the two young cubs into captivity until she was strong enough. And then they released her back to the wild. Hmm. And this was in Russia. So, you know, we're talking like, plenty of space to do this. Yeah, oh yeah. Like Siberia, nobody Siberia, lives Siberia, yeah, exactly. And yet just that little bit of time she spent in rehab, she immediately got out, got into trouble, ended up being killed. And both of her, one of her cups got killed as well by people because of them going after cattle and such. And then I think the third, the third cat, which was her second cub, ended up back in captivity for the rest of his life because he couldn't be trusted to be to stay away from people. Wow. So, so the biggest part of having a big cat back out of captivity into the wild would be the fact that it would get so used to 
being around humans and kind of like the, the cattle and just kind of like it would it wouldn't be scared of it's not because they wouldn't know how to hunt or their instincts would go away or whatever well it would be in part um even though they will kill by nature they don't know how to how to manage their environment so there was a really stupid animal planet show and so many people believe this was a real thing and it's only come out in recent years that the whole thing was a sham but there was a Chinese woman who said that what she was doing was taking the South China tiger, which is now extinct, and she was going to raise these South China tigers in Africa, teach them how to hunt, and then take them back to China and release them. Well, it turned out that these really weren't um, South China tigers. They were crossbred tigers, so they wouldn't have been legal for release anyway. But when they turned them loose in Africa, they had these big pens, and they were trying to teach them how to hunt. And what came out, you know, on the show, they show them, you know, let's have all the tigers chasing the Jeep with the gazelle hanging off the back mm -hmm. of it so that they learn how to hunt. And um, all of it was done very cleverly for TV, but none of it actually worked. And the people that were involved have come out since then saying that what happened is they would kill because they're hardwired to kill. They would kill everything in the enclosure. And then if you put any animals in there, no matter how many animals you put in there, they would kill everybody immediately. And you can't do that in your environment and have your environment survive you. Right, <laughs> you have right. to know how to pace yourself. <laughs> you, know, right. you have to know how to hide your food and come back to it later. And right. um, all of those things that a mother takes years to teach her cubs that we can't possibly. Now we do teach bobcat kittens how to hunt and we release them to the wild once we see that they're proficient at hunting. But the difference with a bobcat is there's, you know, they're not going to be able to wipe out the entire ecosystem. And if they get, if, and we do everything hands off with them, we monitor them through cameras. We don't have any interaction with them, but if we mess up and they, for some reason are not afraid of a person and they come up to a bunch of picnickers at a state park, they're not going to kill anybody. They're going to scare somebody. It's a bobcat. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, twenty pound yeah. cat. Yeah, it's it's way different for the smaller cats than it is for the big cats. Do you have lions? I did up until just a few months ago. We lost our last lioness. She was twenty or twenty one. Wow. How long do tigers? How long do they last? Like twenty or thirty years old? In the wild, they only live to be ten or twelve, and in most zoos, they only live to be ten or twelve. Most private owners don't keep them past about the age of five because that's when they become adults. They look like adults when they're a year old because they're right. like 150 pounds, but um, they're mentally kittens until they're about five. So that's when most people get rid of them. But here at the sanctuary, they live into their late teens and we've had, we've had cats live into their mid twenties. We had one cat that was one month shy of being 30, which was like a record, Whoa. but it's quiet here and they get good food and they get great vet care. And I think that's why. How, is it? Is it, it's gotta be like super expensive to like run, to like take, are you taking care of all these cats like yourself? I know you have like volunteers and teams and stuff like that, but like, is Carol Baskin out there like throwing stakes to tigers or what? No, I wish. I mean, <laughs> that's the best thing about being around these big cats is being able to feed them and being around them when you're cleaning the cage. But back in, oh gosh, this was probably about 1990. 95 maybe a uh, guy came and visited me from a different sanctuary in California which has since gone under but he was on the board and I was 
taking him around and showing him the cats. And then I said, you know, I got to go because I got to feed the cats. And he's like, you feed the cats yourself? And I said, yeah. That you need to be out in the community, getting to know the movers and shakers and trying to get things changed rather than being the person feeding and cleaning the cats. And so I took that to heart and did that. And so all of our animal care is done by volunteers because people love taking care of big cats and the donors that we have shouldn't be paying salaries if we can get people to do it for free. So we have usually anywhere from 80 to 110 volunteers that do all of the animal care, which is kind of funny because we have 80 to 110 volunteers and we got 50 cats. So <laughs> cats are getting a lot of attention. Yeah, no, they're getting a lot of love. That's awesome. Well, I, how is it? Okay. I, I did want to know one thing as far as, as you're a cat person. Um, what is the fascination? I Listen, they are like, I've, I've seen only the time I've ever seen tigers was at a zoo, like I said, and it's like, they're majestic. They're, they're, they're incredible creatures, but like, what is it with this? It's crazy. Like this, like fascination of like, you know, when I see tiger King and I see all the volunteers at your park at, at Joe's park, it's just like, people are coming droves to just be around them. What is that? <laughs> You know, I think there's a couple of things going on there. I, I think the people who, if you think about the characters in Tiger King, how they use these animals to build a cult-like following, I think they perceive the fact that they dominate these cats. They decide where that cat lives. They decide when that cat eats. They decide who is going to have access to that cat or not. And so it puts them in this... Um, God kind of mentality that they have that power over these animals. And I think the same is true for people that use them in uh, performances and such to show their dominion over these animals. There's nothing more powerful, more majestic to me than a big cat. And so for these people that think that they dominate that animal or give the impression that they're dominating that animal, because like I said, usually they're just messing with cubs that are pretty tolerant of anything you do to them. Right. Uh, once they get to be adults, like Roy Horn was nearly killed by Montecor because he was an adult. <laughs> and right. they, at some point say enough of this. But as far as why the, why the other, you know, why is it so many people will come here and volunteer? And I mean, I have volunteers out there that are as old or older than me. I had my oldest volunteer was like 87 years old. Wow. And these are people who, for our very lowest level of volunteer, you have to put in four hours every single week or you can't stay in the program. And so these are people that are really committed to being here and taking care of the animals. So many of them tell me that the animal saved their life. And they say that because they felt like nobody understood them, nobody cared about them, but they were able to give that love and care to a creature that they didn't expect to love and care for them back. Right. You don't expect a tiger to say thank you. You expect a tiger to just be a tiger. Right. And so I think it's kind of that healing process that people feel of giving without any expectation of getting anything back that helps them become better human beings. Damn. Okay, Carol, that's a good answer. That well, because like the the I think the God complex makes total sense because the way that a lot of these guys carry themselves is very much like that. And the, when you start like learning about like their childhood and their life, like they were never like that. And now they have this power over what, whatever it is. And it just happens to be a tiger. Um, it always gets me when I'm like watching 
clips of Joe or anybody else really like that's in the in the um the cage with them and their backs are turned to the tigers and the tigers aren't why aren't the tigers like killing these people like they're hunt like they're i feel like their natural instincts would be to do that no or it is and the reason that they don't is because they have been i believe they've been beaten Mm -hmm. and shocked and starved into submission when they're young We've had whistleblowers from these places say that that's how they're treated when they're cubs and can't defend themselves. And it's done so frequently that the animal always knows that they are just, you know, one bad action from having the living daylights beaten out of them. I knew a circus performer, his name was Robert Bowdy. And he said, the way that you train these cats is you chain them to the wall and then you beat them until they understand that there is nothing they can do, no matter how much they lash back at you, they cannot even the score. And once you've broken them, then they're safe to work with. I've had other whistleblowers talk about how people use cattle prods, will shove them down the throats of the cats if they bite and set those off to shock them into sometimes even causing them to pass out from the shocking. And they do this to these babies so that they can get away with showing off with the juveniles. Wow. But so if they do that, like, like young, like when they're a cub, we said they're a cub to like, they're like five years old mentally. Right. So like, but after that, the tiger's like, listen, motherfucker, like I can, I can do some damage now. Cause I know, like, I know better. Um, Because I would think a a pain tolerance of a tiger, a full grown tiger would be extremely uh, thick. So is that something that like, like you said, once these like other kind of uh, parks at five years old, it's kind of like the threshold where they're like, all right, the tiger could 100% kill me. Is that why a lot of times they get rid of them? It's why they get rid of them or they move them into the next stage of their life, which is turning them into breeders to constantly pump out more cubs because they're not usually sexually mature until they're anywhere from three to five years old. And so once they become sexually mature, that's when they are no longer able to show off with them anymore. And that's when they can start breeding the heck out of them. And what you'll also see, people don't realize what they're looking at. They're watching when they see these guys go into the ring with the cats. And um, you'll notice a lot of times they'll have like a stick about this big sticking out of their back pocket that might be all covered in ribbons or something. And it looks like it's some prop or it's part of the act or the same thing with like the whip that they use when they go into a circus ring. And what people don't realize is those are items that the cat has been so severely beaten with that even if it's not in the person's hand, the cat sees it, the cat knows it's within his grasp. And so that's why they're sitting there on the stool and not coming down and just tearing the head off of the person that's doing it is because they know what that means to be shocked or beaten with that. That's crazy. So they're psychologically just manipulating them and they, cause they've beaten them physically so bad that they don't even need to beat them. Cause you, it's funny you say that. Cause when I see videos of circus, I've been to circus like one time and I fucking hated it. I was like, I come outside and I see all these like, protesters and i'm like oh wait this sucks and like how do they get this elephant to stand on its hind legs oh they beat the shit out of it um but it's funny you say that because like i do every video i see they always have like this long flag thing kind of or something in their back pocket that's crazy yeah what piece of shit 
I'm sorry. <laughs> that, it's oh just such a wretched industry. And they're capitalizing, every one of them is capitalizing on the fact that people love big cats and people want to see these big cats and they want to have these close interactions with big cats. And so the very people that they are taking money away from are people who would absolutely never stand for that if they knew what was going on. Right. That's 100% true. I feel like there was a video in their lobby of like what really goes on of how we got the Tigers to do this. Nobody would show up. Right. That's, do you think that like um, the, you know, with, with, with Joe going to jail, with Jeff Lowe, his shit falling apart, Doc Antle hopefully will get wiped off the face of the earth, um, especially after his last season. I can't, I never could stand that guy, but this, I like wanted to go to Virginia and like punch him in his lip. Um, anyway, do you think that these guys like, cause these are like, the, I feel like the bigger, the heavy hitters in the industry um, because they're the ones that, well, at least they're the ones that like the attention the most and always put themselves out there. Um, I don't know if there's any other kind of people, but do you think like, for example, Joe is in jail and he's like advocating for, you know, I want to change a tiger's life and all stuff. Do you think it's all bullshit or do you think that like he's, he and other people that are in those situations, once they've realized how much harm and bad things they've done, two tigers um and they've profited so much money from all this stuff do you think that they that they could really you know kind of turn the page and and, and really want to do like what you're doing you know i've never seen that happen um except in rick o'berry who was the trainer for flipper the dolphin like and the movie flipper the flipper huh. and so he was one of the people who was in blackfish and was advocating for ending this kind of activity because he knew what it was, what was involved in training a dolphin, which is not anywhere near as bad as training a cat as far as the abuse goes. So, it, you know, for somebody like Rico Berry to change his stand in life and say, even though this is an industry that I make money off of, I'm going to speak out against it. I think that's possible when you have somebody that's in an industry where the only way they can get compliance out of these cats is to do these truly evil things to these animals. I don't know if there's any way that they could ever see themselves for who they were or what they did. Right. I don't think they can admit that to themselves. And I think it even goes further, like the people who work for them and who are drawn into these cults, they see this stuff. They know this is happening and they aren't speaking out against it because they're part of it. And I think once they have been seduced into believing this guru is telling them that, you know, we only have to do this for the first part of this animal's life, and then it's going to be a great life. Once they've done that, they can't really go out and say, I was, I did these horrible things to this animal. Right. And so I think that's why so few of them ever come forward to speak out against the abuse that they witness. And I've had a number of them who have come to me and said that they witnessed all of this abuse. And when I ask them, well, would you put it in an affidavit? Would you actually, you know, I can't, it's hearsay for me to tell somebody right. that happened, you need to do it. And they won't do it because one, they're ashamed or two, they're afraid they'll never be able to work in that industry again. And they want to be around these big cats. And so if they rat out one of these bad guys, none of the other bad guys are going to want them either. Right. So it, it's, I just, I don't see any of them really changing. And as far as Joe specifically, you know, he, 
if he had a change of heart, like he said, and he said, you know, that the reason that these animals die in cages is because their soul dies. And he realized that after being in prison, he still is absolutely against ending the cub petting and the private ownership. And he says that every chance he gets. So right. has he shown any kind of a change in his attitude toward how these animals should be treated when he could be a huge voice for them if he really wanted to be? Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's funny you you kind of the comparison with Blackfish and Tiger King now that you brought it up is like even more clear for me because if you think about it, the people that were advocating a Blackfish were ex trainers from SeaWorld and other places. The same thing with Tiger King, the people that they did talk like the guy with no legs, um, the people that were working in the facility did talk about the bad things that happened with the cats. But for whatever reason, I think like Blackfish was like a more like, I felt like a higher end, more qualified, more reputable type of people talking about it versus Tiger King was like, you know, like these people were just like, you know, roadshow clowns that were just like trying to get a job. And, and so like no one really took them like serious, if that makes sense. Cause like, if I like the way the documentaries are made, Blackfish was so like just done so well, if that makes sense. Um, but those people were like reputable, like trainers for like 20 years. Degrees. It was degrees, like, like marine biologists, like legit people. These people in Tiger King aren't even close to that. So do you think that could be why like people just like aren't really like listening to what they're saying? Because I do like Renke and like a bunch of other people did say like some fucked up shit what ha what happened at Joe Exotic's place, but no one everyone just like laughed it off. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Well, I think in Tiger King one, you didn't see a whole lot of that. It wasn't until Tiger King two that they interviewed some of those people who came back and said, you know, like um, Saf said, you know, this was really not the way to treat these animals, or maybe it was in some follow-up spinoff. But since Tiger King came out, a lot of those people have had that kind of come to Jesus moment in other interviews about the fact that there were horrible things happening. Right. They don't go into any kind of detail about it because I don't think they could ever bring themselves to really admit how horrible it was. They just say it was bad. But I think you may be right that they are, they're discounted because of the fact that they, you know, they were frequently homeless people that right, right. were seduced yeah. by that. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Like, I, I, I literally never took any of them serious. I was like, oh, okay, well, that bad things happen. Okay, I, I didn't look. But when I watch Blackfish, I'm like in tears, like, holy shit, like these people like devoted their entire lives to this, truly and they're coming out and saying this, that's got to be something else is going on there, which I think sparked a big reason why it sparked so much controversy and, and good things to happen to, you know, the, the, cause you also too with like killer whales, man, they're like smart as hell. Like we're going to look back on this. I think in all captivity, keeping animals captive, just be like, it's just like slavery. It's like, I can't believe we did this. Like, why would we do this to anything? You know, let alone these intelligent animals that, are speaking to each other, you know, dolphins have like 60 different languages. It's anyways. Um, sorry. It's like the blackfish, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's such a good documentary. I can't, like no one else is talking about that. Well, so many people just didn't, didn't know it. 
And it, it was just heartbreaking to me because it was like, here I thought we were working on the blackfish for big cats and nobody even knew what the blackfish was. Damn, you got, they duped you then because I, mean, I, I thought that documentary was fantastic and it did a lot. But but I, I get where you can feel like, oh, well, we were going to work on the blackfish and it wasn't because that was such a good movement for whales. You were hoping to do the same thing for big cats. Yeah. And, you know, for five years, what we were doing is talking about you know, here's all of the abuse that goes on behind the scenes. Here's all of the people you need to go see to actually document this and mm-hmm. to try and get into their facilities and see firsthand what they're doing. Um, and they did. And then they just glamorized. all Right, of it. right. Yeah. Well, I think Netflix kind of like once they put out Tire King and realized like, oh, we have this like unique gem here. Uh, fuck the cats. Let's talk about Joe Exotic and all these other crazy cartoon people uh in in the circle uh it under it 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 brought out the underbelly of the tiger world i guess but like not in the way that you thought it was going to be i think yeah you know originally well um blackfish was aired by cnn and cnn that's what that's right yeah and when these producers came to us, their buyer, they said, was CNN. So it was like, this is perfect. It's going to have the same distribution. They already get this whole industry. This is going to be fabulous. And it was in like the latter part of 2019 when, I think it was 2019, 2018 maybe, that they told us that CNN decided they weren't going to do it. And we didn't know who their new buyer was going to be. And I think probably, and what they told us was the name of it was going to be called Stolen Wildlife. And they showed me a sizzle reel for it that was like, I don't know, 20 minutes long. That was all of the stuff that we had talked about. It was the kind of abuse that people needed to see. And it was exactly on target to be the blackfish for big cats. And when CNN bailed on them, I think they had to in order to find a good buyer for it in Netflix, they had to turn it into entertainment instead. Wow. That's when the change probably happened. Wow. That's right. It was CNN. CNN films did do that. I did they didn't Netflix did Netflix buy it then? Because I feel like I've seen it on Netflix before. I don't know. That's crazy though that they said that. So then yeah, that that would make sense. I mean the industry, I mean they got to do what they got to do to sell it. But Jesus Christ, talk about going left. I mean, Blackfish to Tiger King, it's not even in the same arena as far as like quality and just kind of like message. Damn, that's Did crazy. you see the Cove? What? Did you see the Cove? No. It was before Blackfish and it was about how they round up all of these dolphins in this cove in Japan oh, for wow. the entertainment industry and how so many of them are slaughtered. And I mean, the entire cove, it's like an entire Bay Area is just blood red water from all of the blood from these dolphins. And the producer for that was this guy named Fisher Stevens. And so Fisher Stevens was one of the producers for what became Tiger King. And another reason why we thought this was going to be a blackfish, because they had this guy who had already had this amazing um, film that showed all of this abuse of these dolphins. Wow. The cove. Where's that on? you know or i can find it i mean i don't know yeah i'll look for it um i know we got to go soon one well, another question did you see that that video of the cop killing that tiger um i saw the video of the guy screaming on the ground but i didn't see the cop actually killing the tiger yeah it was crazy um like that was at a zoo a guy a cleaner who was going into a unauthorized 
part of the zoo and the tiger got a hold of his arm and that you hear the cop ask for the tranquilizer but it just wasn't enough time so he had to shoot the tiger in the head like what the fuck like is that like another reason why like zoos and stuff like just shouldn't exist because like stuff like this and now this poor tiger is dead the guy is mauled and better go to jail um and then you got the cop too that you know was going on a call and like oh I, I have to shoot a tiger in the face like i just that's gonna mess him up forever. that's what i'm saying like that's gonna it's just like a whole shit show because of you know this captivity thing right so what's your bill that you guys want to get like just remove zoos too or just only privately owned stuff it only gets to the cub petting which is what produces hundreds of cubs each year that end up in private hands and then it phases out private ownership so it won't take away anybody's hiker um, they can keep them as long as they want them they're not going to want them past the age of five but they can keep them and then they just can't buy or breed more it does not end the zoo industry but i'm hoping to do that through other channels and what i hope to see is a world where all wild cats live free and the only way that we can do that is to monetize them in the wild so if you can imagine wherever there are wildcats having live internet streaming cameras that come in as a subscription fee, just like you would have for your Netflix subscription. But the lion's share of that money actually goes through smart contracts on the blockchain back to the individual wallets of the people who have to live next to that cat so that they become, everybody in the area becomes a game warden to protect those animals, make sure there are plenty of tigers walking in front of cameras, living their best life, right. and having the forest and the uh, food that they need, all of that. Then, then you have a chance of saving these animals in the wild. You, you'll never be able to just tell people they should protect tigers and have their children and their cattle killed. You, you have to give them a really viable reason for that to be the better option for them to keep those cats alive. Right. And do you think that the, the, um, the tigers are going to be, you said they're going to be extinct in five, like all tigers, do you think could be extinct in five years? Yeah, I think there's only something like four, four or 500 are in Siberia, the rest are in India. And they just, they don't stand a chance as long as we allow this constant breeding and discarding of cubs to create this legal smokescreen for all of the illegal activities of poaching. So we have to stop that first in order to be able to save the tiger in the wild. And I hope that we can do that this year. And if your audience is in the United States, they can go to bigcatact.com and if they type in their name and address, it will preform an email for them. It'll preform a tweet to their members of Congress. And if they want to be really brave, it'll actually even call their members of Congress with a little script for them to say, please ask your boss to support the Big Cat Public Safety Act. Damn. So is it done for you? You I do nothing. Just go to the website. Yeah. Damn. And I'll put that in the description. But I know I know we got to go. So, hey, Carol, Carol Baskin, can you do one thing for me? I'm not, this isn't a bait and switch. Can you just, can you welcome my audience in the classic Carol Baskin way? And it's called the E for explicit. Yeah. Podcast. The E for explicit podcast. Okay. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin. And I hope you will join me and Corey Packer on the E for explicit podcast. Fucking awesome, dude. Oh shit. Thank you, Carol. I really appreciate it. And that's another episode for the E4 Explosive Podcast. We'll see you next time. Of course, got the 
the background. Let's go, Carol Baskin. Actually, <laughs> a shower curtain. Oh, it is. And right now they're doing a buy one get one free plus free shipping, the thirty day money back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get ten percent off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code Explicit10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com.